my other partner is a little bit younger than me and I'm 47. We all have kind of a similar idea of what we wanted to do, but I think that's maybe changed for one of our partners, right? So all of that you have to take into consideration when you're thinking about selling a property. Welcome to the Get Real Podcast. Your high octane boost of full on reality therapy for personal, business, and investing success with your host, Ron Phillips, because somebody's got to tell it like it is. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Get Real Podcast. Ron Phillips here with Heather Marchant on location. Court Lane today, right? I feel like a reporter. Yes, I'm on location. It's an exciting day today. I mean, you kind of are, though, because you guys can't tell. Heather's at a park. And she was all set up like two separate times to do the podcast today. And she got run off by an angry mob. So kind of like a reporter. That's a good point. They were covering a riot or something. School-aged summer camp children. So they were quite angry. (laughs) It's hard. Okay. So today we, we were talking about it in our Facebook group. And man, we had a lot of people who were really interested in it. So Mm -hmm. we decided to throw it out here and see if everybody on here is also just as excited about it, I guess. Yeah. And I think if you have questions and wish that when you listen to these podcasts, you could ask a question of us, the Facebook group is a great place. So reach out if you're wanting to be added, because I think it really is community. Yeah. Just hit us up at invest at rpcinvest.com and we will send you an invitation. This is a closed group and we only take cool people. So yeah, if you get declined, don't be offended. Yeah. If you're not cool, just don't even bother, (laughs) don't even bother applying. Actually, there's quite a few people in there. Everybody's super helpful and it's a great group. So jump in there. Not just saying that because Heather and I run the group, but saying that because it actually is some really cool people in there that help out a lot. We don't have to do everything in there. So, and everybody shares. It's very much like the podcast. If you like the podcast, you'll love the group. So there's that plug for the group. And with that, let's talk about this. So yeah, now is a crazy season for sales. I mean, everybody across the country knows it. They can tell. Mm -hmm. And people reach out to us all the time. They're like, how do I know when it's time for me to sell my property? And crazy enough, Heather and I are going through the exact same question right now. So we figured maybe we would just get real on the show and tell you our thoughts about it. Yeah. I think I get this question a lot because I had a client say really perfectly. He said, I feel like we talk all the time about when it's time to buy and about buying and criteria because that's been our focus. But when you're been in business long enough, you have to start focusing on when it's time to sell and how to know when it's time to sell. So we've been getting that question and it's in the news, right? Seller's market, now's the time, right? So when everyone hears that, they go, well, what do I do with my rental property? And how do I know when it's the right time? So we have um, a couple of indicators, I would say. One that I've been experiencing lately is I find that it's been best, not all the time the best choice, but most of the time best when the property is vacant to get the biggest bang for your buck because primary residence buyers are out in force and they need a place to live. And if you have a house that's vacant and the tenants moving out or they've given notice time to take a pause and say, Hey, 
wait a minute, is it time to sell? Because those vacant properties, the cool thing too, is that investors are looking for a deal. People who want a primary residence are looking for a house, right? There's a big difference. So there are a lot of markets, they're overpaying and they're paying over appraised value, bringing cash to the table. If you own a property in Charleston right now, not only will they overpay, yeah. but they'll buy, if you have one under contract, they'll pay you like 50 to $100,000 for your contract on the house that you're overpaying for. That's yeah. how stupid it is in Charleston right now. So, I mean, it is a good time. I'm not sure that's the conclusion that everyone is gonna come to, and that's okay. Yeah. So what Heather and I wanted to do is kind of talk through how we're th feeling, how we're looking at things, because there's obviously the data-driven approach. I think we've been over that on the show. We're going to kind of go over it again quickly today, but, and then I'm going to add some other data to it, but that's not the only thing that you should be considering when you're mm -hmm. thinking about selling one of your properties or multiple yeah. of your properties, right? So let's kind of talk through, I know Heather, you're thinking about selling a house and you were telling me that yeah. this is lining up to be an absolute no brainer. So I, I'll tell you two things. So I evaluated two houses for sale this year and came to two different conclusions to keep one and sell the other. So one was lining up that it was the perfect time to sell. So the first property I ever owned was in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Love that house like my little baby because it's my first house and it's been a killer performing house, right? So I paid $80,000 for this little house and it's like a thousand square feet. It's so small, but I love it. And I've loved my tenants. I've had a great experience there. However, it's appreciated and rents have gone up. They'd been $750 when I purchased it. And I was evaluating earlier this year to sell it. The rents were $900. And so the property had gone up in value, but it was still performing. So I ordered a home inspection. I took a look at it because I knew there were a couple of things that needed to be addressed. I made a pro forma and said, oh, I have a client this would be perfect for. He was all on board and basically had it sold. And then the property manager didn't have it under contract yet, but the property manager came to me and said, Heather, when we rent this again, because I was selling it to an investor, I think we can raise the rent. And I said, fantastic. <laughs> I said, tell me what you can raise it to. So far, they'd raised it $50 and then $100. So I was expecting a small bump and she got back to me and she said, so I think we might be able to rent it for 1100 a $200 bump. And I said, oh, well, maybe let me know when that happened because that seemed pretty crazy. It's a pretty big jump. And she came back and said, we have a tenant at 1100 So I had to go back to my pro forma and I thought, man, even with all that equity I have, I have over $50,000 in equity in that house at that point with that sales price that I could get. And I ran the numbers and I said, yeah, I think I'm keeping this. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to sell it at this point. And so I kept that property because the rent went up, which is happening nationwide. It's going to follow suit with increases in purchase prices. So it wasn't just a cut and dry, yeah, I'm selling because I have equity. Plus I have some great property manager in that area. That property has been fantastic. So I kind of paused and said, well, let's ride this lease. Oh, and I replaced the roof in the fall. And so I thought, well, if I hold it for one more year, I'll be able to see if it appreciates a little bit more to kind of match that rent increase. So I think it will. So it's not always a cut and dry answer. Yeah. You think it's a cut and dried answer and then you get some more information and it's maybe not. 
right? Yeah. And that's kind of what happened with me. I have a couple of partners and we own some properties in Memphis, some single family homes in Memphis. And I mean, the value of our portfolio has gone up so much. I mean, we kind of chuckle about it because it's Memphis. Yeah. How could it possibly go up that much? But it has. And there's hedge funds that are buying packages of houses. Our stuff is late 1990s and early 2000s. It's not old product. It's yeah. nice. And we've renovated almost all of it. So it's a pretty good portfolio. Guys, they're paying like a 4% cap rate on this stuff, right? So, so crazy. My partners and I got on the phone the other day and we're like, should we sell this? Because we have a lot of equity yeah. in, this, in this portfolio. And then I just said, hey, look, guys, here's the reality of the situation is we're all talking. We don't have any data. We know what we think, but we really don't know because none of the three of us have taken the time to actually sit down and go, how much equity do we actually have? What is our cash flow? No one has said some of these people we've put in a year and a half ago, we know rents have increased. Like you just said, Heather, I mean, rents are going out of control. There's a shortage of properties. So we don't know what our future cash flow is going to be, right? We don't know what the rent bumps are. We haven't actually sat down and looked at what our cost segregation that we did like two years ago is going to do to us on a recapture. But in addition to that, capital gains are currently 20% and next year they're going to be, God only knows what, at least 40 or at least double. And so we're trying to take all of this stuff into consideration. And then I was like, well, okay, yeah, but I also have to put in the tax deduction that we're going to get this year for keeping them as additional cash flow, right? Yeah. So I did some calculations. Our return on equity on this package is like four and a quarter. I mean, it's just horrible. <laughs> we have so much equity. That'll get a little bit better, I think, when we finally get the rent numbers. I'm still waiting on some information because I have to get it from third parties, but I'm waiting on that. I got the tax deduction number, so I think I know what that's going to be. I'm going to meet with my CPA tomorrow and find out what the hit is going to be if we have to recapture our cost segregation that we took in addition to the capital gains. And then talk to him a little bit about what he thinks is going to happen with capital gains if they're going to get it mm -hmm. done this year. Because if they get it done this year, it's kind of a moot point, right? I mean, my model mm -hmm. is broken then. It's not 20% anymore, right? And then we did a cash out refinance model too, which will change based on the new rents that we're going to put in there. This is really complicated stuff. In addition to that, one of the partners is in his 60s. My other partner is a little bit younger than me and I'm 47. We all have kind of a similar idea of what we wanted to do, but I think that's maybe changed for one of our partners, right? So mm. all of that you have to take into consideration when you're thinking about selling a property. Now that sounds way more complicated than you just run a return on equity number. And if the numbers, if you can get a better return, then you just go move. That's not exactly the case, especially yeah. when, you, when you start to acquire quite a few properties. And at the same time, I'm trying to sell one of my apartment buildings right now and it performs perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with it either, but I am selling it. Yeah. So I also have to take into consideration that I'm selling that one <laughs> and I'm going to get money from that, that I have to try to deploy and put to work. And I'm going to add a whole bunch more money from this portfolio if I sell it. And then what am I going to do with all the money? Yeah. I can't find that many deals as some of you already know, because Heather's like, yeah, they keep calling me because there's just not as much as there once was. Right. Nope. I think it's when it becomes a first world problem that you can't spend the money. I mean, it's crazy well, that that out. is the determining I, I factor. I definitely could spend the money. It's We're talking about <laughs> investing in, in, in good real estate deals. That is difficult. No question I could spend it. Yeah, good point. A house in Italy would be like right up your alley. 
it would. I'm not sure I would do that because stupid travel restrictions. There was. Yeah, good point. See, this is what happens, everybody. It's not my fault that I go on rants about the government. Heather says something and then it connects. It directly connects. See that? Now <laughs> I could go off on a tirade about how stupid it is that I have to wear a mask in an airplane when nobody wears any masks anywhere anymore. Literally nobody wears yeah. masks anywhere. And I have to sit on a freaking plane until the food comes. And then I take that stupid thing off just like everybody else does. And we all breathe each other's air. It's the dumbest thing on the world. Joe yeah. Biden, stop it. <laughs> you take the bait every time so easily, though. It's just like effortless. So talk about depreciation recapture, because you mentioned that. And I don't know that everyone listening knows what that means. So if you accelerate the depreciation of a property and you take like what we've been talking about on the show, if you take an enormous amount of depreciation up front, when you sell the like, like if we took this of depreciation a year ago, mm -hmm. well, then the government's going to go, wait a second. You took a million dollars worth of depreciation on that property. You can't yeah. sell it and then not recapture some of that. And so I took the tax deductions already on that. And so that's called recapture. I have to recapture some of that. Now, that wouldn't really be a big deal if I were 1031-ing, right? I could 1031 mm -hmm. into something else if I had something else to 1031 into. <laughs> and it also wouldn't be that big of a deal if I had another property that I could buy and I could do a cost segregation study on it and accelerate the depreciation. And yep. I would be okay again. I'm just not sure either one of those things are in the cards right now. I just don't know. And yeah. so what I'm doing on mine and the model that I'm making for our partnership to take a look at is worst case scenario, if we had to recapture all of it and we had to pay capital gains on our gain, what does it look like? I mean, what's our net number? And, and are we okay with giving that much money to the government? If we are, yeah. and it's, you know, there's still that much upside, then fine. But it's looking increasingly like we're going to keep it, which yeah. flies in the face of everything that I, I mean, it's kind of like, I'm going to keep this for a whole bunch of different reasons. If it was a house, it's just a little bit easier for me to make a decision about whether or not I pull the plug. This gets way mm -hmm. complicated when there's a lot of houses in a package and you have partners. It's just yep. not that simple. And who knows? We may end up two of us agreeing and one of us disagreeing and two of us buying the other partner out. Who knows? One thing you mentioned that I kind of want to highlight is it was very brief, but does it fit within your vision, right? You said my partner is older. One of them is a little older in his 60s. One's younger than me. Like, where are you at in your life and what's your vision? What do you want to have happen? And so that's often the foundation that we talk about is making sure it fits with what you want out of life, right? What yeah. you want to do with your life. Well, because it was funny because my other partner, the one partner that's a little bit older than us, my, me and my other partner, he has quite the portfolio of single family houses mm -hmm. in addition to this one, right? Yeah. Which he doesn't have, he doesn't, he owes even less than we do. I mean, he has a ton of equity in these. And then he asked the question, well, what are you going to do with yours? He goes, well, I'm keeping those. He goes, well, why are you keeping those if you want to sell these? He goes, well, those are almost paid off. I could pay off the note with what we're going to get on profit from these. And then I would just own all these other houses free and clear and they just kick off cash flow. So yep. to your point in vision for him, he's in a different phase of life, right? It's not necessarily, well, this isn't the case for him. He's still much, very much in growth mode. He, he loves the game, but there's a certain part of his life that's safety, right? And that portfolio is his safety because it will pay for his entire life. He doesn't need anything mm -hmm. else. Everything else is kind of irrelevant, but he doesn't want to have any debt on that piece. And that makes total yeah. sense to me. 
as he said that, I'm like, well, I mean, I've been in my 60s, but that doesn't sound bad. Yeah. So I'm running another model that shows us paying them off. Like, what's it look like if we just pay them off or just keep them and let them pay themselves off? Right. So there's four different models that I've made, and I may come up with another two or three different models as we're going through. I keep coming up with things that I have to consider as I'm selling these or as I'm doing these models. And every single time I do, I come back to what am I going to do with the money if I sell them? Mm-hmm. And the thing with the cash out refinance is until I get the new numbers with the rent, I'm not sure it makes a whole lot of sense. We could pull a substantial amount of money out, but A, do I need the money? And B, what does that do to my cash flow? And does it make us feel good about whether or not the thing can actually run itself as well as it's doing right now? There's just a lot of things that you have to consider and deal with when you're, especially when you have partners. But on every single one of these deals, you need to think through um, several different things. Now, if you're in growth mode and you own one or two properties, it's super simple. Can I get more return somewhere else? And if you can, and you can get enough that those two properties can buy four, well, that makes a lot of sense. And it's pretty simple. Yes. And you spread out your risk, right? You can invest in other markets, so you can diversify a little bit more. You can have two tenants paying rent. So if one tenant, for some reason, isn't paying rent, you have two doors, right? One of them can help offset the one that's not paying and pay that mortgage. So it makes a really big impact on the portfolio when you can grow it that way. So that leads me to mine. So my second one I ran, this is very recent. This is like in the last week. (laughs) I was notified that my tenant was moving out in July in my Oklahoma property. And I said, well, wait a minute, are we raising rent? That was my first question. They said, well, we can try and maybe raise it $50. It hasn't been a great performing property. It's been good and stable, but new construction, right? So just a lower cash on cash return to begin with. And I said, okay, if we're only raising it $50 because it's been rented to the same tenant for, I think, three years, the same tenant's been in there, which is the advantage of new construction, right? I mean, it's been, I think I repaired a faucet in the three years. Like this just been steady consistent cash flow. So I said, well, what is it worth then? What's the value of the property? And I heard back and they said, well, looks like you could sell it for 220. Keep in mind I bought it for 179. And I said, well, adding my down payment to that and the equity I have, I'm going to sell because if they could increase rents like they did in my North Carolina house, probably would have considered keeping it, but I can easily buy two doors for this one door that I'm selling. So, and my return on equity was under 5%. And I said, done. So I'm signing listing paperwork today. I already texted the agent this morning to get him access to the property. See, he's going to walk through it with the tenant in place, kind of see what it needs, if it needs anything and have a game plan for when the tenant moves out at the end of the month. So that one made no sense to keep and all the sense in the world to sell it. So the other cool part, because it's your dilemma, Ron, of what do I do with the money is I already have a property under contract. I was going to use my own personal funds to buy that now I'm going to use a 1031. It's been delayed 
this is also pretty consistent with what our clients have been experiencing and probably people in general. I mean, materials are taking a long time. Labor is taking a long time. So my property, this triplex was supposed to close in the fourth quarter of last year and it didn't. And so I am still waiting to close that property. And I talked to the seller and he said, well, it's going to be ready to close end of August. And I said, man, that is too perfect. So I'll be able to utilize of 1031 funds to take out of that Oklahoma house to buy another one, ironically, in North Carolina. So that way it'll grow. My cash flow will be about triple what it was on that Oklahoma house. And I use very little of my own funds. So now that frees up those funds to invest, right? So you don't always win like that. It's not always cut and dry like that, as we've talked about. But man, sometimes it's just simple (laughs) and easy. You had two, you're going to end up with four and you're going to take $0 out of your pocket to do it. That, that is the way that the growth is supposed to work. Mm-hmm. And um, that's a perfect example of how it works. And then, you know, some of you listening have larger portfolios. You just, it, it just gets a little more complex. You just have to do a few more models mm-hmm. and then you have to take into consideration your vision because sometimes the model will tell you something that's incompatible with your vision and you still have yeah. to make the decision to go with what's going to be best for what you are trying to accomplish. Yeah. It's always a little tempting to take the money off the table when the mark is giving you a gift and it is tempting. I mean, I'm staring at the number right now on my screen and it's tempting. That's a tempting number to take off this off the uh, table. But again, cash when there's inflation doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, enough cash yep. that you can take advantage of the market conditions when the market conditions shift. That's wise. Yes. A ton of cash just to have cash is kind of stupid because cash is getting destroyed right now. I don't remember when we did our report on inflation, Inflation. but it's only gotten worse, reportably so, right? Like they can't dodge it anymore. Government loves to shuck and jive on financial reporting, but they can't anymore on this. The numbers are the numbers and they're going up. They're not coming down. And I don't think it's transitory. I think it's here to stay Mm -hmm. for a hot minute. You know, they'll try to get it under control, I think, but, or they'll lie about it. One of the two, but it's here for a little bit. Hopefully it doesn't go out of control. But I think we do have to prepare for the fact that there's real, verifiable uh, inflation and that that's not good for cash. But it is good for somebody who owns an asset that produces cash. That it is good. So to take assets that produce cash and turn them into cash and leave them sitting in cash, I don't think that's wise. Exactly. You have to be strategic. Spend the time. Figure it out. Okay. Well, hopefully that was helpful. if you need help. Yeah, if you need help, reach out to us. Yeah. Yeah, invest at rpcinvest.com. And it's not like there's no properties out there. It's just like what we said in a few episodes back. You just have to be ready to go. If you're ready to go, then, you know, when the properties come, you can snatch them up because there are good deals. I mean, Heather and I are are working on a few right now that are going to be really, really good they are literally not going to last. No. I mean, I don't remember how many there are, but there's a lot and they're not going to last. No, it's painful. Probably more than a week. They won't last. I mean, as soon as we get them in, they're going to be gone just like that. 
anyway, and that's what I'm experiencing in the multifamily world. It's what I'm experiencing everywhere. It's a really tough, tricky market. I just mm-hmm. did a Facebook live in our group about my shopping experience. Usually I'll go to an area and I can usually find something I can at least make an offer. No was, offers this time? Not even no one offers, offer? Man. Like I was, I, Whoa, I, was I didn't so know depressed. that. Yeah, I was just like, oh. the purpose of my live was that I was being tempted. I actually went and looked at properties in an area I don't want to buy properties in. Yeah. Because the price per unit, I was like, man, I texted my partner. I'm like, dude, I don't know. These are $22,000 a door. He's like, what are you doing, man? You can't make money in that area. And I was like, I know. Thinking, how many times did I tell everybody on this show? Yeah. Don't buy in a war zone. And here I was literally looking at properties in a war zone. Like I wasn't going to get out of the car kind of a war zone because the price point per unit I could try to make sense of. Mm-hmm. And that is really stupid. You cannot do that. You cannot get caught up in what's happening out there, right? Stick to your fundamentals. Make sure that everything works. And then if it does, you know, make an offer. There's one that I might make an offer on, but they're crazy. They're absolutely nuts with their pricing. So hopefully they'll they'll come down. I did see an assisted living facility that is interesting. That's right. But I've never run one before, so I would have to get um, experience. Yeah, I would have to have a partner that knew what they were doing and had some assets in the market. So I'm working on all of that. It's not like nothing happened there, but in the apartment world, it was rough. It was really rough. So there's a lot of takeaways from that, though. I mean, we had a whole episode on that last week of sticking to your principles. Don't let the flashy object distract you from your goals, from your vision, from your criteria. The money will come is the thing. I mean, I'm keeping that house in North Carolina. The rents are up. It should appreciate great, right? So the money will come. It's not like it's going to vanish overnight, at least not in our areas. So, And I think the market still has legs. That's why I would sit on these houses. But I think the market has legs. We have a legitimate shortage in the supply side. I mean, we just do. Mm-hmm. And I don't see the demand going anywhere. So definitely I do don't see it from here. Holy cow. <laughs> I mean, it's going to take us a little bit to get out of the supply side challenge. So I do think that these things have got legs, but that's not even why I'm making the decision, right? Because at some point you do have to just make the decision to take your money off the table if that's what you're doing. And trying to time the market is a fool's errand. And that's mm-hmm. not why I'm leaning towards keeping it's it's for all of the other reasons that i'm leaning for, towards keeping that particular property and why i'm selling this other one yeah so, anyway hopefully that was helpful for everybody i mean i heather and i just decided we would add on to the one we did and maybe give a little bit more detail as into what we were thinking as we're preparing to keep and sell some of our portfolios so that's right anyway have a fantastic week this week if you need help you know, modeling. If you need help trying to decide what to do, let us know. If you like the episode, hit the like button, share it. And the most important thing you can do for us is to just leave an honest review. Give us some feedback. Shoot us your questions. That's the best thing you can do for us. So we can keep coming with great content that you guys actually want. 
Heather, you stay safe up there in Coeur d'Alene. That's a rough area up there. It's I feel so bad. Hard. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you <laughs> while you're up there. Cause that's, I will be home next week duty. though. So I kept thinking that we were going to have like a person on the street interview with you out there, but it didn't happen. True. So. That would have been exciting. <laughs> <laughs> you thought about it for just a second. You were like, I'm going to get up and go find somebody. Yeah. Let's make All right, everybody. Thank you. Have a great week. This has been the Get Real Podcast. To subscribe and for more information, including a list of all episodes, go to getrealestatesuccess.com.